You know how the fat girl is always the best friend, the sidekick? Well, we were those fat girls. We met 10 years ago in an eating disorder program, and today we are taking back fat. One high-calorie conversation at a time. This is Full Fat. Guess what, everyone? My epidermis is showing. (gasps) Oh my God, that is the cheesiest joke in the book. And I am Natalie Roach, and with me is Sam Luck, and we're Full Fat, the podcast where the conversation is like a good steak, delicious, fatty, and fleshy. Mm, Yes. For today's episode, we are talking matters of the flesh from the top layer, the epidermis, to the innermost layer, which is actually called the hypodermis for all you anatomy majors. And we know you're out there. Mm Mm-hmm. For our last episode of season one, we're going to get into the very skin we're in, sharing our cream and cosmetics routines. Or at times, lack thereof, Natalie. Fair. And we'll also touch on how our skin has changed as we've gone up and down in size and how we've cared for it along the way. Lastly, we'll delve into taboo, fleshy topics like skin procedures and surgeries. And we'll close out with our season one reflections after helping out a dear listener for dear fatties. Of course, our listeners need our unqualified assistance. They do. And I can't believe it's been a whole season. Wow. Um, But there is a show to do and we came to deliver. Yes. Let's start at the top, the top layer that is our epidermis. The very fabric of our birthday suits. Ooh, that gives me some real weird, like Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill vibes, Natalie. I know, that movie burned in my mind. Oh, yeah. You're about a size 16, right? Oh, no! I know! Gross. (laughs) Uh, Terrifying, yes. Uh, Yep. Moving on from that horrifying experience, uh, (laughs) you know, when we were getting ready for this episode, Sam, you thought that I would have much more to say here. And Mm. I have to say I was surprised because you strike me as a lady who would be no stranger to lotions and potions. And like, am I wrong? Is that skin neglected? It's not neglected. No, not at all. I am a lotiony and potiony person for sure. But I would definitely say I'm more into skincare than I am into makeup. You know, okay. I, I kind of missed the whole YouTube makeup tutorial thing. That just didn't interest me that much. But um, when you first brought up the idea for this episode, I was seriously like, skincare routines? Really? Because I'm on Instagram less and less these days, but I am on Instagram and you aren't on Instagram. So you weren't familiar with the whole phenomenon of influencers talking about their skincare routines, right? Oh, I thought it was a true innovator. <laughs> but then when we talked about it and you were like, well, this is going to be a much bigger concept than just our skincare routines, I was like relieved. I was like, good, because I've got nothing much to talk about in terms of like makeup and skincare, but you were so right. This has a lot of breadth. You don't think we could do an hour on step one, (laughs) exfoliate, step two, rinse. I would be falling asleep. But yes, we probably could. I think for me, my skincare starts when I was quite little. Like my sister and I were obsessed with this game called Beauticians. I don't know if you ever played that, but it was like a role play game where you would do basically like a full facial. So you can imagine the quality level. Oh my gosh. No, I didn't. I, w- I played it like by myself, but that's uh, that's next level. I like it. And we were really into body shop products. So it was passion fruit cleansing gel. Mm. Then you got your Japanese washing grains. And then we also love to fuzzy peach, a little fuzzy peach spritz on the way out of the salon. Mm-hmm. 
And we always made time, of course, especially when we were playing beauticians at a friend's house for a snack break. Oh, 100%. Yes. Relatable. Like, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, any time I went to someone else's house, whatever game we were playing, my sister and I would look at each other and we would insert an opportunity to raid that person's pantry, basically, because it was always going to be better than our mum's. Absolutely. I had friends who I actively didn't like, but you know what I did like? The Sunny D and brownies that were packed in your pantry. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, absolutely. Oh, yeah. You could tolerate a lot for that. That and a swimming pool. They were like the big deals when you were a kid. It was like, oh, hang on. You've got a swimming pool? Did you say trampoline? I'll be there at two. <laughs> so we were writing to beauticians. We were into the body shop and we love to get samples from the body shop. That's how we would like build out our beautician supplies. We would go in and say, excuse me, could I get a sample of passion fruit cleansing gel for my skin? I love it. My mum was just humiliated. She was like, these kids. And then, you know, that continued on because my mum, even to this day, still loves to send me a sample, Natalie. Like she uses high-end beauty products like La Prairie and La Mer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Yep. And she will send me all the samples she gets from buying all this stuff. And at Christmas, she'll send some money and then she'll send me a a weird package, a weird-ass package with, like, a Christmas card and then all these random samples. I feel like Jennifer Aniston in that movie, Friends with Money, if you've ever seen it. It's a great movie. I have not, but what I can see is that Mrs. Luck... You will receive a far more grateful recipient (laughs) if you will cross out Sam's name and address that to care of Natalie Roach. I love a high-end sample. (laughs) I live for them. I like, I have so many little packets in my, my bin in my storage closet. I love it. Oh, I just get humiliated. I'm like, mom, I can buy my own cleanser. Like maybe not La Mer, but like I can, I can take care of it. Right. Um, When I was my heaviest, I will say, like, I didn't always take the best care of my skin. Mm. So I was very focused on up above my neck because that's where people would tell me I looked attractive. Yeah. I remember, yeah, periods of time where I didn't want to, like, spend extra time, you know, putting moisturizer on. Or a big one was in the summer in Australia, like, that um, dart you do from your towel to the ocean. Like, I'd put sunscreen on when I would go for a swim but I would be in the water and I wouldn't want to come out and I would let myself burn basically because I was scared of the dart back to the towel I can absolutely relate honestly that dash as you're talking about from the towel to the shoreline I don't know if you've ever seen that segment on planet earth where they have like the baby turtles who first hatch and have to make it <laughs> oh to the, God, they yes. have to make it to the water or also Aww. like, it, like, and some of them are getting picked off by like seagulls or like Aww. lizards or crabs or whatever. That is honestly, that's us. How I felt. That's us. Yeah. <laughs> it's brutal. So that was like a big thing. Cause you know, these days they say sunscreen is the big thing. And you know, I wasn't even doing that back then, but I've gotten better. I think consistency is key with any skincare routine. And I'm a loyalist from like Clarins to Niode by Desiem. I use Cetaphil products sometimes. Good Molecules. Good Molecules is one my um, friend Ruth put me on to. Thank you, Ruth. And yeah, I think the best is when you find other smart women who are really into this, who are willing to share stuff with you because some women don't want to share that. I agree. I had actually had, um, I, almost, I felt ashamed. I mean, this is a window into my skincare routine. I had two women approach me at the grocery store and say to me, you have like such beautiful skin. What's your routine? And I literally said to them, this was a few years ago. I'm like, I wash my face with hand soap. What? They were horrified. 
They were horrified. Oh my god, my friend did that once. She had the same thing. Like she, she was late to the game. Yeah, I'm like I'm pretty like I will still I won't lie. I washed my face with hand soap last night. Like I just how can you? I, my skin's dry the bone. I just I moisturize like very deeply afterwards. But sometimes I'm like you know what's uh, you know what's happening? This life brand hand soap. That's what's happening for me. It's about like finding balance between effectiveness and practicality. I think. But I want to know more about this um, hand soap, Natalie. Tell me more about your routine because I thought it would be, I don't imagine you being someone that doesn't have like tons of jars around. Like, come on, you're a high may lady. I'm a high may lady. There are times though where the fatigue overtakes. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, like two nights of the year I'm falling asleep with makeup on. But if I'm really tired, you better believe like it's it's a hand soap situation. But I would say in general, my skincare routine, like without walking through the details, I'm looking at a 15 product minimum at nighttime. Whoa. It's it's intense. Also not high end. I I really like the brand um La Roche Posay. The French pharmaceutical brands, they're good. They're really good. And I found that for me a couple years ago, I noticed that I was like breaking out a lot and that one came very highly recommended like their anti uh like I guess anti acne line. Mm-hmm. But I've noticed I've noticed a real difference. Something else that I do for my skincare actually for that when women get jawline acne, which I was getting, it's related to hormones and usually an excess of androgens mm-hmm. and spearmint tea. So every single day I drink three cups of spearmint tea and I am not lying. I I do not have skin problems on my face anymore. And it was, it was quite bad. That's amazing. Yeah. I get one zip before my period and like it was, it was getting bad. And then a woman who I knew at work had quite bad cystic acne and her dermatologist told her to drink six cups a day. I only have, I only have three and it, it cleared hers up. Like it's research it. Like you talked about playing beautician for me, I think that what I loved about beauty as as a young woman was that this was a trend and this was something that I could fully participate in. There's no sizes on lipstick. There's no inches on blush. He passed away, but this very famous at the time uh, makeup artist, Kevin Acoin, I read all of his books. I got them for Christmas. I poured through them, mm-hmm. always like wanted to try the techniques and like the little tips and tricks. And I just, I loved it. I loved doing my eyebrows. I loved, Mm. like I had a subscription to Allure magazine as well. And that was just something that I found. I became the person in my group of girlfriends that was the makeup person. So nah, can you do my, can you do my makeup for formal? Can you do my makeup for this date that I have? Cause Lord knows I didn't have one. That, Cause like, that's something that you can also bond over. Cause I found when you weren't fitting into the clothes, mm-hmm. you could play along and be excited when people were talking about fashion or clothes or that store that you were obsessed with. But it, there was always a barrier. So I get what you mean about being able to fully immerse yourself and to be really getting what they're getting and talking about the same stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, like that's such a good point. I remember for me being a little girl and we would all be sitting around and we have these like, com- like we'd all bring our wet and wild nail polish and we'd sit and paint our nails together. Oh my God. Yes. And you know, what lip smackers did you get? So it started really young. And then uh, like, as I got older, I got like pretty into it and got more sophisticated, but yeah, to your point, like that was a very equal playing field. Like we're all, mm we're all buying the same things. And it was just, it was really nice to have that way to participate. And, you know, if I dare say so myself, I was the beauty influencer pre the beauty influencer era. I'd like you to do my makeup one day when you come over, when we get together. I would absolutely do it. I'm curious, Sam, going back to, again, this is going to be another Buffalo Bill reference. Mm. 
But you said last time that you had a wardrobe full of fabulous fabrics for all the sizes that you've been. And how has that most critical fabric, your skin, Buffalo Bill, changed along the way? Oh, my God. Take that thing back to Baltimore. Yes. Um, my mom got our astrological charts done when we were kids. Of course she did. Actually, I think I was a newborn when she got it done, which was pretty cool. One of the things I remember on that chart was that they said that I would end up with like more scars than the average bear. And I can't quite remember why that was, but I think it might be because I'm an Aries son. And I'm just telling you that because you're an Aries too. We're both Aries about to enter Aries season. Yeah, we are. That's interesting. And I mean, everyone's skin changes as they grow and, you know, go through puberty and things like that. But, you know, any kind of extreme weight gain or loss does impact a person's skin. So I went through kind of a bit of that. And then also I remember in my early teens, just the heat of the Australian summer and having some thigh chafe on my legs and just, you know, it's so uncomfortable. And in those days, there wasn't any of the like creams and like balms and there weren't those little shorts that you can get now, you know. That chafing between your thighs, it is painful. It really hurts. That's the thing I find funny about like underwear often for bigger people. Like it looks great in the ads, but in the reality of actually having a plus size body, some of that stuff just doesn't work. Like I've no. seen people do the test where they bend over and they're like seeing if it rolls down, It, you know, especially the seamless stuff. Oh, absolutely. And those things that say like little shorts to wear under a skirt. I'm like, well, now these have rolled up and it's actually pushing my thigh meat out farther. <laughs> so the chafe is worse. Your thigh meat. Yeah, it's true. Yeah gross. I remember in my early 20s, I've shared this before, I had a pretty dramatic weight shift and it all happened over a year. And that was the first time I really noticed there being excess skin folds or just like loose skin that I wasn't in love with. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked about surgery with my mum and my mum was really good. She arranged for me to meet someone who had been through that early stages body contouring surgery because body oh. contouring surgery was really new back then. Mm-hmm. It was the early years. And like she had seams and keloid scarring and it was it, a lot of stuff that she'd had done because she'd had a dramatic weight loss and it was way less sophisticated than the technology, right? So I thought, no way. And I was so grateful that this woman took the time to sit with me. Yeah, it's really generous. It was. And look, I'm sure, God bless her, that she's healed and everything. It was probably early then, but, you know, I... um was definitely put off back then and thought I'll wait till the technology gets better and that's what my mum encouraged me to do. So I waited and thank God I did because I gained and lost not all of that weight but a, a little bit of it over the years. And gained wisdom along the way. And gained wisdom, fatty wisdom for sure. Um, then when I joined, you know, our, our program and I was in other programs too over the years, you know, I really found solidarity with other people in the program about, you know, our bodies. We We would kind of talk about doing yoga classes and like looking down the the gap in your t-shirt and just being like horrified at your stomach hanging down and being like, oh my God, <gasps> I'm like alien. I know exactly what <laughs> yes. you're talking about. And yes. more recently yes. I have, you'll be proud of this, I've incorporated a weights workout into my life. Sam? Yes. Moving on up. Yeah, I've been trying to build a bit of muscle tone. It's very early days, but I'm I'm doing it three times a week. But I've come to a place now where, and I love this saying, Natalie, where those that matter don't mind and those that mind don't matter. Oh, that's one of the great ones. It really is. 
You know, it's a program saying. And look, that goes for all of my hangy, foldy, spider veiny, dimply parts. This body has seen so much. And I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm proud of that. This is my body. Yeah, I'm just on a journey to accepting that. And that's the beauty, I think, of getting older, you know. Um, you just kind of get to a stage where you're no longer that, like, spotlight age where everyone's expecting you to be hot, sexy, available, nubile. It's like, I'm a baby hag now. Yeah, I can just not even try to cover myself in the women's change rooms <laughs> when we're allowed to go back to the gym. Yeah. Just not even try. Just throw this towel on the floor. Let it all hang out. They'll love you. They will. They will love you for that. So can you relate to that, Natalie? Like what's been the story of uh, your skin on your journey? Oh, you, well, this is, this is the part I was really excited to get to because like the skin of being in a larger body, it's like, that's what tells the tale. Um, it, like mm-hmm. if you, if you, for me, like having come from a really large weight loss, like it was, it was the thing that, that had kind of like, you know, and an image that I'm thinking of is um, how a tree has rings. Like it tells a story, like my skin tell, tells a story of, of my body's history. And yeah, I can really relate to what you're talking about. Just when I was in a larger body, basically tried to minimize the amount of time I was naked. I hated it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't look in the mirror when I was changing. I had a mirror that was in my bedroom that like I couldn't really avoid. And I would look at anything to not, to not look at my body. And I never put lotion on, never put cream on. I remember one time, like when I was working at the the plus size women's clothing store that I called AE Sport Co. It oh was, yeah, it was additional. <laughs> I remember this woman who I worked with said that we got some like nice new lingerie in, and I said, I said, well, I wouldn't want to wear that, and like, kind of like, wouldn't it be ridiculous for me to wear that, looking what I look like now, and my like baby, totally fat shaming, internalized mentality. Mm, yeah, back then she said, "Oh, really? Like, I love taking a nice hot bath and like getting out and putting cream on and putting lingerie on. It just makes me feel so sexy." And I was like, "Are are, are you speaking English right now? Like, I, I just, I could <laughs> oh, not. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I could not relate to that at all. I'm like, I like." change and I Mm -hmm. only feel comfortable clothed really yeah you kind of have to see it to be it yeah and I think that's what kind of motivates me a bit in advertising is like just how can we change that story a bit you know what I mean yeah I do I do and it's really hard. I think there's so many things going on when you're a young woman. Like, I mean, I was 16 when that, you know, when that interaction happened. And there's, you know, a lot of a lot of insecurity that happens that age and a lot of body changes that happen. And it's kind of exacerbated when you're in a larger body, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a little dark here, but I really hated going to the doctor. And like, I had this like a little, very, very small like cyst on my side mm-hmm. once. And I took it out myself because I didn't oh want to go. Home surgery. Home surgery. Home surgery. I, love, I, love I didn't want home surgery. Oh yeah, I was, I was like Sam. You would have you would have died for it. You would have absolutely loved <laughs> oh, it. Yeah. But I didn't do it because I loved it. I did because I did it because like I'm like oh I don't want I don't like people seeing my skin. I I didn't like lotioning it. I was scared to go to the doctor. I didn't like putting cream on and like I had a lot of stretch marks and I had um the these folds in my back. Mm-hmm. As I lost weight, those skin folds actually remained. And to this day, that is actually, it took me a long time to embrace this, but the the part that used to be the hidden part, yeah, that is the most sensitive part of my body. And I would only say that this year I touch it and I find it like delightful. Like it's, it's kind of ticklish, but it's very, very sensitive. And 
I, I kind of, I kind of like that. And it took me a long time to get there. And I, mm. I definitely do have a much different relation now to my skin. And I put cream on every time after I get out of the shower. I like, I, I don't just, I think a lot of, like I said, the makeup was a very empowering thing for me. And that was lovely. It was also like, that was the only thing I was paying attention to. I didn't want to touch the rest of my body. Mm-hmm. I did mention loose skin. And I, I kind of wanted to circle back to that because I think that it's a pretty like hot topic when you talk about, you know, losing a significant amount of weight. And it, it is a tricky subject, but I wanted to know what are your thoughts on like deep cosmetic skin procedures and surgeries? It's so individual, I think, from person to person, but I know I'm totally open to it. And I have had some surgery. I've had a breast augmentation back in the day. I had smaller boobs um, all my life. And then, as you can imagine, having lost a whole lot of weight, you lose a lot out of those boobs as well. And they got even smaller. Mm. And so no regrets there. I'm glad I got that done. Um, My personal goal, I think, with any procedure is to look as real and as natural as possible. And that's not the case for everyone, but that was for me. Right. My mum said, you know, when the doctor suggests a breast size, consider going down a size, you know, and I ended up doing that. I just didn't feel comfortable, especially when you're going from having no boobs or very little. I didn't have nothing, but very little it was a big jump just for me to make in my head. Mm. And, you know, they gave me the option of boobs that would be either behind the breastplate. Um, Sorry, I know this is quite visceral, but that's what happens. No, hit me. Or like in front of the breastplate um, with the option to breastfeed because you can breastfeed if you have that apparently. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I had them in front of, which also means that they age and sag like normal boobs. Like no one who looks at my boobs is going to go there fake because – They've definitely dropped. Time comes for us all. I I also have a little surgery wish list that I've been curating over the years. I don't know how serious I am about this. I'm a bit of a fraidy cat, but I do think if I don't have any kids, like I would definitely get it done maybe at that point. Like I would like to have a tummy tuck. Obviously having boobs done, you know, um, you get a redo of those after a number of years, depending on your surgeon and the state of affairs. I like the idea of a thigh lift, um, perhaps. I haven't looked into it too deeply, but it's it sounds like something I would consider. So that's, you know, a decent amount of surgery right there on my wish list. And mm-hmm. the good part is, like, I'm willing to stay as is. Like, I don't think it would be the end of the world if I didn't get that done. And I think that's a good, healthy place to be in, in my head, you know, to not be dependent on well, it. Well, because that was actually going to be my next question. And I think, like, what... I imagine a lot of listeners will be saying is, or thinking maybe is, how do you feel about having a surgery wish list? Like, how does that sit with you? It sits totally fine. I mean, look, people, you really have to have been through what my body's been through. And it's such an individual experience to fully understand it. My wish list isn't about getting me into a particular ideal necessarily. It's just about me feeling more comfortable. Like it's sometimes it's physically more comfortable. Like loose skin can still be really uncomfortable on the body. So, you know, things like that I mm. think are um are just very personal. Yeah. And I have no qualms about it. I, I, you know, a woman's body is their own. Yeah. If I decided, oh, I'm going to get my boobs replaced and get them done four sizes bigger, I would want people you know, around me to advise me and to say something. But at this stage, I feel like I have a healthy relationship with it, you know. Um, I love that. Curious about you, Nat. What thoughts do you have on these kind of procedures? Well, I have 
quite a few thoughts. And for the benefit of our listeners, Sam and I kind of went back and forth on this one a bit. And I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. I, I have also had, Mm. um, surgery. I've, I've had a significant amount of surgery. I, um, for folks who maybe haven't listened to some of our back episodes, which I encourage you to do, Mm -hmm. I'm coming from being in a roughly 300 pound body. And now I'm in like the mid one forties. And this is, this is over the the span of a very long time, but I've, I've been in the current body size I'm in now for like about 10 years and about uh, five years ago now, maybe six I had a significant amount of surgery. So I I had two sets mm-hmm. and um, I don't want to list the procedures, but I will just say that it was a full body contouring surgery that happened o- over the course of a year. So it was two sets of surgery because like one set has to heal and then you kind of do the other set. And I very much thought that I was just not working hard enough at accepting the loose skin and accepting the body that I had. And then when I started to think about, well, what if it wasn't about trying harder at accepting this? What if this isn't something that I was doing wrong? What if it's that there is something that I could do to help me feel a different way about the body that I'm in? And I I ended up deciding to, to do that. And I have to say that um, it was a very intense set of surgeries, like very major. And I have to say, like, it really did transform the way I felt about my body. And I do have, I have stretch marks. I also have like quite a few literal scars on, on my body. And it felt for me almost, and I'm, I'm speaking very personally here. It felt as if I was arriving home more fully. Like, I, I can't describe it. It's like, this is, I don't like saying it, it, it sounds kind of crass to say this is the body I was meant to have. It, it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like, oh, like this feels right. Like this feels right. What always surprises me, Nat, is that, you know, if someone, for example, had a really unfortunate accident in their car and the car set alight and they had burns, people wouldn't mm-hmm. question them getting plastic surgery. It would make total sense. But, you know, when somebody goes through, a different kind of traumatic experience. There's this judgment on it. And to me, that's also yeah. a bit of that existing like fat phobia that comes with it, that this idea that you should have been able to fix it yourself. I think there's a lot of like self-reliance conversation in weight and um, body where it's like um, this idea that just because I have the self-control to go to the gym four times a week or to eat in a certain way that you should A, want to, and B, be able to. And I just don't Mm -hmm. think that is the reality, you know. Like you and I both have ideas and we won't go into them now for a future episode maybe about, you know, the addictive nature of certain foods. And I think Mm -hmm. that people are just thinking way too small on this topic. I completely agree. And I think that one of the things that you find when it comes to women and body-related surgeries is almost as like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. I got to this level of acceptance where it's like, I do not like the way my body looks with the the skin that I have. And I I, I Mm -hmm. chose to do that. And I really like how you frame it. Like it's a different kind of traumatic experience. And Mm -hmm. I used to have people tell me, you'll find a man who will love your body exactly the way it is. And it's like, why do I need a man to be the lens through which I accept myself? Yeah. You know? Totally. I agree. And I'll say it right now. Like, Honey, Mike, I love you. 
he he loves the way my thighs look and i'm still like i think i want to get my thighs redone like i and it's not about you know him loving them it's it's a kind of about it's 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 my choice it's my body you know i love that and you know what i i totally agree it isn't about the partner but we are brought up in a world that is still getting over that hangover of like Getting married, getting a partner is the ultimate pinnacle of a woman's life. It's not as if that is now the holy grail that defines, you know, our lives. So Hell no. Mm-hmm. It's a journey for us all to accept our bodies and it's a journey for us to accept our partner's bodies sometimes. Look, I've, I talk to people as well that struggle with certain things about their partners and we all know, though, where it has to begin. It has to begin in ourselves and I'm still on my journey of accepting and and becoming free. I think I'll be becoming free my entire life. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Becoming free. I really like that. And, you know, I have to say like this, we went deep, like we started at the top layer and we really did go to the, the deepest layer of our skin. And I feel, I feel like exposed, but I also feel refreshed. Me too. No, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like we could go on and on, but no, it's time to see what is on the cafeteria tray for our Dear Fatties segment this week. This is where you email us. This is fullfat at gmail.com with a situation, perhaps a dilemma. And we just happily share all of our unqualified yet heartfelt advice. Indeed. We're not experts, but we're willing to pretend that we are. Mm -hmm. So what's going on with our latest writer, Sam? She writes, Dear Fatties, I am comfortable saying that I know Natalie personally. Ooh, ooh. ooh, interesting. And when she mentioned you were planning for this episode, I decided to write in. Well, thank you. Uh, I haven't talked about this before, but I would really like both of your perspectives. Get ready. Relatively recently, I had breast augmentation surgery. I hadn't been happy with the way I looked in bras and bikinis for some time. And after years of trying to accept and love them the way they were, I decided to go for the surgery. I am so pleased with the results and am finding that I feel more myself and freer. I'm not so encumbered by my feelings of insecurity around it. I know some may find my choice problematic. However, I stand by my choice and speak for myself only. You're here. Right on. Here is my issue. I told my family and closest circle of friends, my family has been great But surprisingly, my friends haven't. Ooh. Yeah. I've had two friends separately tell me they are worried about me and another saying that I missed the opportunity to truly love myself. Ouch. At the other end, I had a friend who told her partner, oh, my God, on a recent FaceTime call that we had to come and look at her boob job. I was mortified, humiliated, and upset. Holy shit. Can you help? me with how to respond and she signed off sincerely not so bosom buddies not so bosom buddies is right i have some serious feelings about this letter i uh i'm hope i hope that i can kind of articulate my thoughts um you have not missed an opportunity to love yourself bosom buddies this was a choice that you made for yourself regarding your own body and you took years to consider the decision that sounds to me like a conscientious thoughtful and loving way to approach your body surgery is a personal decision it's not something to be bandied about for fodder for conversation among your friends lightly or uh, you know to come at you with some kind of intervention i just 
I think that the place that I want to start is um, before I dive into a sample script is to really just highlight. I really like that you you took some time to let us know how this is making you feel. I think that the words that you use that you feel um, freer, that you feel more yourself, keep coming back to that and keep grounding yourself in that. Because I imagine these interactions you're having with your friends, to like they would make me feel kind of untriggering. Triggering. They'd make me feel a bit destabilized. And I just want to encourage you to keep coming back to that. And I know for me, like my friends group tends to be more like one to one to one to one. I don't, um, but I do have some that are more in groups. So you'd have to kind of play this out in terms of what makes most sense. But I don't usually like to always provide a sample script, but I do think this is one where it would be worthy of sitting these, you know, three people down together if they have a relationship or having it with them separately and having a pretty explicit conversation, it doesn't need to be long. I would keep it simple and come from that place and say, you know, the surgery that I had recently is a very personal decision. It's one that I considered for years. And it's something that is helping me feel more myself and freer. That's not something that's open for discussion. You don't need to worry about me. I feel great. And also, this is very private. So please don't discuss this in a casual way with with you know, friends or family members, point blank. And I know that that's very to the point. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying not so bosom buddies that that wouldn't be um, a, a difficult conversation. It would. But I, I think that this is this is one to really let people know, like, this is not okay. This is not okay. I think that sometimes what can happen with something like surgery that might seem for some people kind of, you know, salacious because mm. it's not something they'd ever considered. And they think plastic surgery and they think celebrities and they think Kim Kardashian and they think, oh, we can talk about this like it's casual or we can throw our two cents in. You wouldn't throw your two cents in if someone had hip replacement surgery. Mm. Like, I just, I really think that this is one where really set a firm boundary. I don't know, Sam, am I off? Like, do you, do you, I had a really strong reaction here. No, I, I agree. I mean, I have some slightly different views to yours. Um, you know, my first thought was worried about you. Like it's a bit late for worry. (laughs) (laughs) Right. The boobs are done and dusted. You know, if you were going in for multiple surgeries, I could understand them being a little concerned if it was a pattern, but I don't think that is what you're describing here. You know what I mean? And I don't mean multiple surgeries like you described getting, you know, surgeries done in a stage and things like that. No, I just mean like if you were going back and getting bigger and bigger and a Jocelyn Wildenstein type scenario, God bless her, but like where it's like you're actually changing dramatically what you look like and there's some like concern because, look, in fact, it can be addictive for people to get surgeries done. So Mm -hmm. I do see my friends as also, you know, kind of like sentinels looking out for me and telling me if they're seeing something that's not right. But in this case, I really feel that, yeah, that seems a little over the top. I also related to what you described about feeling free. Oh, my God, that's exactly how I felt. I had to, I remember for me too talking about when she's talking about being freer, I, I actually was more limited in what I could wear because of the amount of loose skin that I had. And it would, you know, had, that had to be taken into consideration. It was really nice to not have to take that into consideration. So I agree that freer aspect is very true. I still don't like. I still don't. I've, I don't wear tank tops. I've never worn a bikini in my life, which is something I plan on changing. And I don't wear skirts, you know. Um, so it does stop you if you aren't feeling great. And and the feeling of freedom she described is exactly what I felt. You mm-hmm. know, um, that one less piece of body anxiety. You know, just off your plate. Yeah, I agree. 
the other thing I thought was, yeah, if you were getting boobs that just looked like they were going to give you back issues, yeah, I'd, I'd probably expect, I would expect my friends to say something gently, very tentatively, one-on-one maybe to me, but that's not what you've described, you know, and missing the opportunity to truly love yourself is just horseshit. No. That just sounds like it came out of the mouth of someone who hasn't really got first-hand experience of what it feels like to really struggle to feel comfortable in the skin they're in. And finally, as for outing someone's surgery. Not okay. Just puts you in that circus freak show role that you never asked to be in. You know what I mean? Totally. It's like outing somebody. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I don't know about you, but growing up fat, I never really learned to to be super comparative with women's bodies. And it was actually one of the best gifts I've ever gotten from growing up fat. But, you know, I've also heard women say some pretty horrific things about other women's bodies, how they use them, mistakes they've made in them, what they look like, how they could be better. And I think that is just something we all need to quit. We need to quit it. Yeah. Not so bosom buddies. We are so glad that you reached out to us. And um, I know who you are. And <laughs> I, uh, I hope that this has given you some perspective. And uh, let us know how it goes. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, keep us posted. I have to say that I'm going to maybe go extra heavy on the lotion and maybe even curl my eyelashes tomorrow, Sam, just for old time's sake. This is this has been inspiring me to go that extra mile for the skin that's the skin has been with me all along the way. Did you say lotion? It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets oh, the hose. Oh, no. Why is Buffalo <laughs> Bill a theme in this episode? It just happened. Look, as we mentioned at the top of the show, this is our last episode of season one. These freaks are going on a little spring break. We are indeed. And I have to say, this season has been incredible for me. I've mm. I've come to appreciate both my past and present self in a, in a really different way through sharing these stories. And Sam, it's been so amazing to like connect with you and find out about things like your beautician body shop childhood <laughs> stories and cooking <laughs> Australia. It's been in your Christmas traditions. Like, this has been so great and it's it's been wonderful and mm. I do have to say it's also been a window for me into real talk how much work it is to put out a creative product. Yeah. We put in work on this on this project. We get to work. We get to work and I will say that the really truly you know cheese but it's the support of like friends and listeners mm. it means so much when people send emails to us when people send us dear fatties letters and people just like text us or, you know, Instagram, it's like, it's so good. I love it. We love it. And we got a beautiful email from one of our listeners, Michelle, shout out to you, Michelle. Thank you for that. Yeah, Like what are, you know, what's it like for you arriving at the end of season one, Sam? I'm proud of us, lady. Like, you know, 10 episodes to listen to, I can just burn through them. And I do that with podcasts that I love, but the the actual putting them together and coordinating our schedules and all of that stuff is a lot. So I am super proud of us for getting to this point. I want to thank you because I've loved having you as a co-host and getting to know, you know, more about your story too. God, I relate. I feel like sometimes you and I have lived in the same skin, honestly, as weird as that sounds. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel the same way. And thanks to all the people that, you know, follow us on Instagram, that reach out and say hi. And from everywhere, from Spain, from Australia, from all over, we, we love you. We love having you as part of our little community. 
Uh, and the hard work's been worth it. I've loved trawling through the 90s to now with you, Nat, and just acknowledging how imperfect we may be, but how freaking far we've come. So we will be gone for about six-ish weeks to replenish our pantries. Yes, stocking up on essentials, so to speak. But as we said, the show will go on, and we'd so appreciate your continued support. So go ahead and click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. And go Gold star if you can share a rating and review on the Apple platform or just tell your followers and friends about us. And don't forget, we love hearing your life questions, quandaries and concerns, even when we're March breaking. So email us, spring break. So email us at thisisfullfat at gmail.com and we'll give you our best advice with our Dear Fatty segment. And we will be staying in touch via Instagram while we're on vacay. So uh, at This Is Full Fat is where you'll find us. And we will be also asking you for some season two suggestions. Until next time, stay greasy, ladies. Stay greasy, ladies.